0: Hi, and welcome to Cameron's Baptist Church Sermons Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's message. Welcome all of you this morning. Thank you for uh, being here with us. Welcome to those who are here for the first time. And also other times we are really glad to have you this morning with us. And our prayer, my prayer, that God will speak to you. God is a God who speaks to us. And the most interesting thing is, we, um, are, we emphasize this a lot. Um, you have not come to a religious place. You came to a place where people have a personal relationship with Christ. And religion is where you do some rituals. Um, you do something that you must be done that way, otherwise it won't work, at least in the minds of people. But uh, that's not how we do. We do spontaneously worship and praise and prayers. And we ask God to speak to us because God wants to speak to us personally. You can have a personal relationship with God if you want to. Uh, Just all you need to do is to ask Him. He will reveal Himself to you. And He can reveal Himself to you in different ways. But the wonderful way that He will reveal Himself to you is through His Son, Jesus Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to I talk to you this morning about... What to do in time of crisis. Is any of you going through a kind of crisis at the moment? I don't know. Well, it can be a different kind. Um, we can see the world today. It is going through a big crisis. You can see some economical, political, geopolitical. As we see... The war is a mix of politics and religion. Anywhere, many places. And who is right and who is wrong? One thing I say, the Bible says that all men, be lie because God is the truth for God. He's the only one who holds the truth. In a situation, even in a war, whatever it is. And the first one to lose is the truth. Because you have... Completely different. Well, you have two sides, and you have the truth. And God knows the truth, and He revealed it to us. Um, so I want to read with you, Philippians chapter four, and I want to I want to read from verse four to verse nine. If we can have it on the screen, it would be nice. I I will read from New Living Translation. This is the letter of Paul to the Philippians. Always be full of joy in the Lord. So I think I'll follow that one so we'll prove it back there. So rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness Be evident to all. The Lord is near. In other words, he's coming soon. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, as Paul saying, or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. That's a very practical and explain it all. I just could sit down and and say the message is done. (laughs) You wish. (laughs) Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you for your truth, the truth of your word. We thank you that you have promised that uh, you would come to us whenever we call upon your name. You said that all we need to do is to put in a petition before you. We humbly call once again, O God, upon your name. Come and bring salvation. Come and bring healing. Come and bring deliverance. To all that are listening or will be listening to this message in the future. Lord, I pray that as you speak to us today, your Holy Spirit will move in a mighty way and remove any obstacle that may hinder us from responding to your call in our lives. Bring down every stronghold of the mind so your word, O oh God, can find rest in the hearts of those who are listening. Give each and every one a unique experience with you this morning. Whatever the circumstances are, whatever the situation they're going through, but Lord, despite my humanity, frailty, limitations, Father, use me as your broken vessel to deliver your truth. And I humbly ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In time of crisis, or time of crisis, a time... Uh, that we are either encouraged or forced to make some decisions. Such decisions will eventually drive us or will direct us to a path that will either bring us into some kind of success or victory or defeat. And of course, all our actions... Will have a reaction. If it's not. Here and in the spiritual world. Yes it is. Because we fight a spiritual war. All the time. Like it's evil. Against good. But good always prevails. In such times, We have to choose between. Rebuilding. Progressing. Stagnating or digressing. But we must make a choice. We cannot stand on the fence. We must speak aside. Crisis brings moments of complexity, but they also represent unique moments and opportunities to turn the game around and allow God to be glorified. Allow God to work in our lives. You know, storms and disasters are difficult to predict. But it happens. And it happened more frequently lately. Since the world is a world. Humanity has gone through crises, disasters, wars and political instability. Such as, as I said here before, Russia and Ukraine, Israel and Ramas. Right now, this is what's dividing people's opinion and also reveals those who really are where they are and what they stand. But the first crisis we have ever seen, what we are aware of, that man have ever faced, he had to face God after he disobeyed Him. Right there in Genesis. Chapter 3. Afterwards, in every biblical narrative or human history, we perceive men, women, children, and elderly at some point in their existence having to deal with some kind of crisis in their life. You may have heard of the crisis of the 30s, the 50s, or the 10s. Whatever crisis you are in right now, it is nothing to be compared what's going on right now. We today live in an unparalleled time. We face global crises of all kinds. Environment crisis, institutional crisis, family crisis, relational crisis, financial crisis and now war crisis. As I said we protest everywhere where people are afraid and are not able to rejoice. Whether individually or collectively, we are going through this difficult time right now with few solutions. But for us who believe in God. That God is a faithful and just. We have an assurance ourselves that because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Either here on earth or in eternity before him. Because we will all one day stand before his throne and will be judged. And then our eternity will be decided. And that's a fact. For those of us who trust in the Lord or in the word of God, we are told that there is hope for those who trust in the name of the Lord and call upon his name. And because we trust him in his word, we believe that no matter what is around the corner. We know that our future is in his hands. And our Lord Jesus who lives and he is the same yesterday, today and he will be forever. He said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. But today God invites us to hear his voice through his word. Through the words of Paul to the, to the, Philippi, for the Philippians. And the Bible tells us that we are people who in time of crisis can call upon the name of the Lord and he will listen to us. You may ask me, what shall I do today? Uh, Most of the times we may think that uh, God doesn't make sense at all to us. Especially things that's going around the world. You may ask why God, if God is God, is allowing all these things to happen. Listen, God has not created a robot, a programmed computer to do whatever he wants when the key is pressed. God made us with something called free will. That's the freedom God has given us, is the freedom to decide where we want to spend eternity. And he puts before us life and death, he says. Right there in the Uthronomy, uh, Moses put it before the people. I put today before you life and death. And he warns, I warn you to choose life. That you might live. The life he's talking about is God himself. You know, I believe that the reason, it, um, <clears throat> you know, when, when most of times we, we may think that God doesn't make sense. And I said, and and and. and Especially when he asks us to do something. And, and I believe the reason is because he wants to take us out of the ordinary way of thinking. And bring us to the extraordinary doing. Are you following me on that? He wants to change the way we think. And it's not brainwash here. He wants to give us his mind. The mind of Christ. When Abraham was concerned about God's promise. To how he would then become a father of a great nation. He didn't have any reasons to to say that he would be. He was already an old man. His wife has passed the, the, the time of conceiving. Abraham was a human being just like you and I. So, But when he looked to the possibilities... He thought, well, the possibilities are probably nil, zero. But he decided to trust God. And God honored his faith. And the Bible says, and he believed. He believed. You know, when we look at our possibilities, we panic. Sometimes we lose sleep. We become irritated with so little and ended up hurting people, either in words or else. We are very good at sabotaging God's plan for our lives, aren't we? Huh? I know that. I've done that. I've been there. No, but praise God, He is a gracious God. That He is the God of the impossible. We know He is. He makes a way where there is no way. He opens a door. That no one can shut. And when he shuts the door. Don't try to open it. It will not open. But but when Abraham noticed. That he was old. And his wife has passed the age. Of conceiving as I said. He did what we all should do. He believed. So I want to invite you today. To adopt God's way of thinking. As I share with you the words of the Lord. Through Paul. And Paul knew Very well about crisis. Imagine. If you were in Abraham's shoes. Do you know God promised him a land. That he never possessed. And then. After him came Isaac. With that promised land that he never possessed either. And then Jacob. A land that he never possessed. But it was a promise. And then after, after years, well, just for you to have an idea, when he went into Egypt, he went in as a family, came out as a nation because there were so many people. God was building that nation, not for political reasons. And Israel failed badly, God's plan for their lives. And I did the exegesis on, on on. Genesis chapter 15 when I was a, a college oh. and I'm interested in what other uh, the end of my exegesis is I, I put three maps there the first map is the land that God promised which all the way down to like Turkey and uh, there's a river in Egypt And all that area at, at that time before the world was marked was was got borders and everything and um, and then I put that map. And the second map was to, 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 to explain how the 12 tribes, how they got all the 12 tribes got their land. And then the last one, I just put that tiny little bit where Israel is today. And then my, my commentary of each of them is, this is what God promised, this is what they've got at the time, this is what they have now. And then all due to their disobedience. And do you know what mark I had on my on my exegesis? A pass. Because the guy was so upset with when he corrected, he said, you should not say these things because you can't you can't really, you know, say these kind of things. I, I don't know if it was Israeli or Jew, whatever. But anyway, but he was not very happy with my comments. But that's a fact. Whatever, whenever we disobey God, we'll end up with less or sometimes with nothing. But even though if you come to nothing, God is able to restore everything back to you. So Philippians chapter 4 from verse 4 to 9, here God points us you know, to the exit Of a mindset trained by natural way of living. Where we are trapped. Where we only see actually, you know, the impossibilities and the limitations. That is right in front of us. Our human nature. But God wants us to see that all things are possible in Him. And through Him Especially in time of crisis. What is the most impossible thing to do or to have when you are going through a trial. When you go through a crisis. Is to rejoice. <laughs> oh, listen. Rejo- be, you know, rejoice is to be more than happy. Because happiness, as I will, I will mention later on, is due to your circumstances. And your circumstances may change. So, I want to repeat myself God wants us to take us from the ordinary way of thinking to the extraordinary way of doing. This is not a jargon, this is not to kind of motivational talk. You know, as we allow God to do that in our lives, He will use us to bring a balm. To the wounded and encouragement to those feeling defeated in a scenario of so many crises and so few possibilities. I would like to remind us all members of the body of Christ. Here come roads that you know that our weapons are not carnal, but is spiritual and they are powerful in God. Some people don't believe much about the spiritual weapons. And uh, we have the prayer. You may don't understand prayer much, but prayer is a very simple thing, and I'll explain to you what prayer is. Well, we know that prayer is a dialogue. You speak to God, and God speaks back to you. He does. Trust me. But prayer is an act of complete surrender to God's will and power, God's sovereignty. Why? Because when you come to God in prayer, that means you can't do anything about it. And you're relying on God to help you, to do it for you. Of course, God will not just want you to sit down and wait for things to come down from heaven. No, He will guide you to tell you how He wants you to act or react in circumstances that will eventually change your circumstances. Or change the scenario where you are. So I hope the Holy Spirit will open our eyes this morning to understand that we should not persist in thinking that our activities are on a pure human level, but it is, it is more than that. No, the truth is that, um, although, of course, we, 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 we lead normal, we leave normal human lives, right? The battle we are fighting is on a spiritual level. Because this the scripture also says that the real world is what we see spiritually. Because everything that you see here will one day perish. Everything that exists one day will stop to exist. Even you and I, one day we will come, we will cease to exist, we'll die. But there's something in us that will live on forever. And where we're going to live after we've this body, this temple, finish is up to us, and the Bible tells us how we could do that. And our, our, our battle is to bring down every deceptive fantasy in every imposing defense that men erected against the truth of the knowledge of God. So the word is, the word is, is, I would say, is unprincipled. The world is dishonest, devious, immoral, unethical and corrupt. The world doesn't the world doesn't fight a fair fight. The world, I'm when I'm when I'm talking about the world, I'm talking about the system that rules this world. If you can you can look what people do for money, what they do for power. They don't care who they are, they will just destroy people's lives in order to have control we must be careful not to allow the rules of engagement offered by the world we don't live or fight our battles that way never have and never will the tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation either to lure people into give money To the church or to a ministry. Whatever it is. But our weapons are to demolish. For demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. That is trying to contaminate our way of thinking and living in the body of Christ. And I believe when Christ you know, when, when, I, when I read the passage of Christ cleaning the temple, when he spells all the vendors because they were taking grace cheap, teaching people to be deceiving God in their act of worship or sacrifice. If Christ were to come within in our midst... And all the churches were together. I tell you how and where he would start. He would start cleaning from right here in the pulpit. There are so many and so much rubbish around. But anyway, so we, we use our, our powerful God's tool for smashing twisted values and attitudes, to tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. And and fitting every loose thought and emotions and impulse into the structure of life, uh, you know, shaped by Christ himself. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience and into maturity. But let's look at the first lesson, this, this, um, um, this passage that I just read, gives to us. But what to do in times of crisis? What would you do? People say, I'll panic. <laughs> what would you do? I said, it depends how this crisis has affected me. Let's say you were right there in your home and one day comes a storm and, you know, Take your house away from you. Take the roof of your house. You know, flood at your house. And then you have nowhere to stay. Because you can't stay in a house. It's cold. And what would you do? It is a kind of crisis. Of course, you go for your insurance company. But I'll tell you, the insurance company will try not to pay you what you deserve. But I'm, not, I'm not going that way anyway. But what do you do in time of crisis? Paul gives us a very straightforward lesson. He says, "Rejoice in the Lord." Oh, what a what an answer, isn't it? That's the key. Rejoice in the Lord. The letter written to the church of Philippi is one of Paul's, you know, that, that Paul talks most about rejoicing or joy and it invites everyone who is in Christ to live a joyful life so Paul is inviting you and I to rejoice so the verb to rejoice if you look at the greek you see and even here it is an imperative present am i right it is an imperative present that means rejoice right now and is a command to rejoice is not giving you an option. It's giving you a command. Rejoice. Come on. It is order to be lived today. Not when circumstances are favorable. It is in order to live in time of crisis. Because if you allow the crisis, will crush you down. And listen, why do you think Paul is saying that? Do you know when Paul was when he was when he wrote this letter? Do you know when Paul was? What, what circumstances he was going through when he wrote this command to the church of Philippi? Paul has the authority to do that because the letter was written at the time when he was in jail because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One thing is to go through a crisis or a time, a difficult time or a hard time when you messed up. And that's most of the time, that's what happened to us, (laughs) right? Am I speaking to somebody? (laughs) But another totally different thing is when you go through a hard time, when you have done everything right and you don't deserve it. Why would you rejoice for being treated unfairly? unfairly In an unjust way. Paul who had every reason to be saddened. In the circumstances he was in, he decided to rejoice and to live happily. Not for the circumstances, but this is the key. But for whom he became a prisoner. You see, Paul didn't consider himself a prisoner. Although he was in chain, he did not consider himself to be neither a prisoner of Caesar... Or anyone else but Christ. He said, I am Paul, the prisoner of Christ. In chains. In chains. And he says, as Christians, we should listen to Paul's command. We should be people who always have a reason to rejoice. When people look at you, do they think you are a Christian, a real Christian? A disciple of Christ. Because Christian has a lot of meaning to the word Christian. Unfortunately. But the real meaning of Christian, it means little Christ. Who have the same attitudes of Christ, the mind of Christ and so on. As Christians. There is a big difference of being happy. And to rejoice as I said. Happiness is conditional. But joy is a state of being. The word of God tells us in time of sorrow... Yes, we should cry. It is normal to cry. There is a time for everything under the sun, as Proverbs or Solomon wrote. It's okay to cry. If you are feeling sad because you lost someone you love, or things didn't go the way you planned, or you feel frustrated about your business, or about your studies, or your relationship, or or anything else that happened to you, it's all right to cry. It's all right to, to feel sad. But your sadness will not last. But when we feel sad, that just reveal that we are human beings and we are, and we are alive. Let me tell you, as long as you live, you will feel sadness. You will feel unhappy sometimes. The only way for you not to feel that is if you die. But no matter how sad you feel because of your circumstances... God is calling us and demanding from us and and actually commanding us you know to come out of your natural way of thinking and allow God to impart in his mind and his way of thinking which is he says himself is higher than ours that's what Jeremiah says the prophet Jeremiah Paul invites us in time of scarcity Disappointment, frustration, chains as he was in. Crisis to rejoice in the Lord. But how do we rejoice in the Lord? You know, the secret of this command from Paul is not in the circumstances itself. And I'll say it again, but in whom we should rejoice. Why do I rejoice in the Lord? Because I know what he's done for me. Our joy is in the Lord, and because of him, there is no circumstance capable of taking away my joy. My delight and life itself, because he is the life. Oh, Pastor, now that you got all, all you got me all excited, all confused. You know? How can I do that? Let me take it to the scripture then. Right, Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Right? Okay, the joy of the Lord is our How do we make God's, make, make God's heart happy? Or how do we make, make Him happy? Very simple. We need to acknowledge our ways, our evil doings, and turn away from it. Acknowledge that we have rebelled against him as we sinned against him and abandon our evil ways and desires and live for him. You may say, well, I don't have any evil desires. I don't have any bad ways. I'm a good person. I mean, I normally say that good people don't need God. But if you're good, you need someone to compare yourself with. Do you think you're good? So who you're good compared to whom? So you need to make sure that you have a right comparison. The Bible says that only God is good. Right? So we need to compare. You know, if our Christian experience, I'm talking to Christians here, and I'm talking to Camrose members, please. You are visiting us. Just, you know, hang on to your seats for the moment. You know, if... Our Christian experience does not bring joy. We do well to ask if it is genuine. If it is genuine. Without a total surrender to Christ as Savior and Lord, those who could know exactly what I'm talking about, it is impossible to be joyful every day. You may be happy from time to time, but not rejoiceful or not joyful. Will you only be happy when your circumstances allow you to? In times of crisis, show the world your joy so they may desire it too. Rejoice again, I say. Rejoice in the Lord. And according to the text that we read, what else do we do in time of crisis? Verse 5. Paul draws our attention beyond the joy that must be our mark. Let your gentleness be evident to all. People need to look at us and see our kindness. And our kindness is not not to show off to the world that we are good people. No, our kindness is to show that God is is a kind God. You know, in many versions, it speaks of moderation, right? Which which in the original means consideration, understanding, compassion. What is compassion? Compassion. It is a Latin word. Compassion means suffer with. You see in the scripture when the Bible says that Jesus had filled with compassion or he had compassion towards somebody, that means he felt their pain. He felt the struggle. When Jesus saw that woman coming out of, of, of Naim with, you know, carrying the coffin of his only son, the Bible says she was a widower. She lost her husband, now she lost the only son she had. Jesus filled with compassion. Stop. The burial procession. And then he ordered that boy to get up. And he gave it back to him. Because he had compassion. Are we compassionate about those who do not know Christ? Or we just think that, oh, they are just evil people. They are going to hell, blah, blah, so on and so forth. And I tell you that many people are already in hell. Leave a life of hell here, right here, right now. And hell sometimes is not what you think it is. Some people think that hell is a big furnace of fire where people will be thrown into. That's for another time. Listen, we, we are saved by Jesus and that brings us joy. And that salvation needs to be realized through The right way of being people created in the image and the likeness of God. We live in days of violence, corruption, scarcity, lack and losses. But it is time for the world to look at us as true disciples of Christ. And identify that we are loving people, not judgmental people. That we have something to share. And it all comes from God and God alone. And he imparted in us because we profess to say that the Holy Spirit of God live in us. So the easiest thing to do is to condemn those who have done wrong. Isn't it? So did try the Pharisees when they brought that woman caught in adultery. And then... They came to Jesus and said to Jesus, Okay, so what are you going to do about it? And he did. What did he do? He showed mercy, he showed grace, love, and forgiveness, and said, Go and sin no more. This is what Jesus tells us. Let us be known for being moderate in everything we do, eat and drink. Be known for our tranquility, our serenity, especially when dealing with others. Oh, there are some people that are difficult, I know. I know I'm difficult sometimes. But my wife puts up with me. Some people do. And I'm grateful. Thank you. Carry on. You're doing a good job. (laughs) We should be known for the affection and security in which you take care of your family. People will know how well you treat your family. If you despise, if you mistreat your wife, If you don't look after your children very well, you disrespect them, you abuse them, people will know. How are you known by people? How are you known by people? I used to, I used this this illustration of people are, some people are just like a finger Inside a bucket of water. What do, you, what do I mean it is that? When, when you have a bucket of water and you put your finger in there, what happens? The water gives way to your finger, right? When you take it out, there is no evidence that your finger was there. These are some people who are, when you die, people forget you easily. They are not even remember who died. What was his name? I don't know. But we must make a difference in somebody's life. At least one will remember. you up for your goods, not for, for being, a, oh, thank God he died. It's not that way. <laughs> but in time of crisis, distribute love wherever you go. Take away indifference, individualism, and selfishness. And overflow the love of God you received. From him impart it to your neighbor. Be kind towards everyone. But what else do we do in time of crisis? We enjoy the Lord's presence. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Philippi text shows that the understanding of who we are in the Lord. It produces in us, his children, you know, actions that will define us as the people of God. And they will see and know. That we somehow possess qualities that can appear strange to some people in a good way. I hope it is in a good way always. Now we are joyful because we have been redeemed by God through Jesus Christ. And that makes us you know, kind towards other people. And for that reason. They will see God not only close to us but they will see God in us you know when, when our children go through moments of fear when I was preparing this message I, message I, I, I remembered Bella very well she used to come to our room very often she would have nightmares and she would come in stick in and and then would ask, "Well, I had a nightmare." And then she would come, lay, my, you know, lay next to me, and I would just put my arms around her. She would go back to sleep again. Why? Because she would feel secure, and she felt I hugged her. And then she now, you know, she was not worried anymore because Dad is here to protect me. How comforting that is. How powerful our actions of love can restore someone's peace. A single action is enough. And I praise God as a disciple of a Christ. In times of crisis, there is nothing better than to throw myself into the Lord's arms. Knowing that he will be with me all the time. And I remember going through such crisis. But I had to be there uh, uh, On my own, but I felt the arms of God surrounding me. And in those times, God would always speak to me. And some of those times, God gave me a song. I composed a song. Because he gave me that word, that song. I have a few songs, by the way. But, and if the battle continues, let me tell you, whatever circumstance you're going through, whatever crisis it is, He will give you grace to go through it. Even if, if that circumstance doesn't change rapidly, or just doesn't change suddenly as you, or as we always want to, He will give you grace to go through it. But as you do, make sure that you worship Him. That's what David taught us in, in, in the Psalms. He was going through battle. He said, wow. And his soul said, I'm going to continue to praise the Lord. So in time of crisis, run to the Father's arms. And he will give you the strength to overcome evil days. What else should we do in times of crisis? Anxiety. The Bible says that we should then cry out. What's the next verse? I think it's verse, is that verse 6? Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. God is not indifferent of your circumstances. Cry out, anxiety is the evil of the 21st century. You see children, small children filled with anxiety. Wow. The reason is also another message anyway. People suffer for sometimes, or for something actually. Uh, So so what does anxiety, why do you feel anxious? What causes you anxiety? Because people suffer for something that has not yet happened. Or may never come to pass. Did you know that Uh, all your worries of something that's going to happen, 90% or more will never happen. But people suffer for that anyway. Are you like that? Well, if you're human, I guess sometimes you may do. And in times of crisis, the enemy wants you to believe that there is no way out for you and your battle is lost. However, Paul invites us not to believe in it. He says, do not be anxious about anything. It is also a command. <laughs> but, in everything. In everything. However, he's not saying that you should ignore okay, or deny the crisis you face or we face. But he warns us that... Although there is an enemy out there, he says also there is a God in heaven who saves, delivers and heals. And provides and cares for you and protects you. Here Paul in prison writes this and yet in the midst of being there he is still able to rise above his circumstances and see the bigger picture. So can you. So can I. He prays for the same thing to happen to you and me. To them and to us. He prays early in chapter 1. If you read chapter 1. That the eyes would be opened. To see that. This world is temporal. And that. This world is not our home. And Now. That they should not be worried about anything. We just here as the pilgrims. You know, they have a new heart. So they have a new clarity, so they can have their eyes opened completely and see as God does. Have the mind of Christ, and that should go for us too. Paul says here that we should cry out to God. That's why we pray. Paul, oh, verse 7, he says, Do not worry about anything. But then he says now, But in everything, by prayer and supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends. You see the result of trusting God? You see the, the sequence? The Bible says that we must have the courage to cast anxieties away. For the simple reason that God is taking care of us. That's what he says in Hebrew. You know. Cast your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. We cried out in the same. Listen. If we would cried out to God. In the same proportion. As sometimes we open our mouth to complain. Or to share our problems. Or to gossip. I'm telling you. You would have been blessed many, many years ago. And your problems would be away way out of. Away, away from you, long time ago. You would just be alive and kicking, happy all the way. But in time of crisis, it is not time to look for cul- for culprits. <laughs> it is not time to victimize. It is not time to be outraged. It is not time to grumble. But the Word of God says, "It's a time for us to cry out, to make your supplication known to Him. Say it all." To God, and let me tell you, He will hear you and He will calm you down in those circumstances. But how much time have you been spending with your anxious thoughts? How much time have you been wasting your fellowship time complaining and influencing other people, negatively becoming discouraged, divisive? more grumble too. Well, today, God invites us to exchange the anxiety that corrodes us from within to make us, you know, more like Him, because that makes us sick. But we need to cry out to Him, and He will heal us. He will heal us. He will restore the joy of our salvation, and it will change us from uh, a murmur from murmurers to, inter- to intercessors. So, finally, uh, what else? We do in time of crisis. Think like a child of God. Think like a a child of God. Finally brothers. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is admirable. And anything is excellent. Or praiseworthy. Think about such a thing. Did you know everything starts here in the mind? Yeah? And the, the, the prophet says the man what he thinks in his head, that's what he is. Yeah? As I said, it's not a, 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 a it's nothing to do with positive thinking. Oh, I, I'm a failure, and then you become a failure. And then you start saying, I'm I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. That's what will to make you a millionaire, trust me. I'm sure you have tried that once in your life, right? That won't make you a millionaire. You have to work hard. All right? But anyway, what Paul is saying is, occupy your minds, your thoughts with things that will affect you in a good way for life. So stop taking those um, negative thoughts and think about what is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely. Anything that is excellent. You see Paul is inviting us to become excellent thinkers. And everything is. So that's why we go to the word of God. In times of crisis think with the mind of Christ. The one that he has given you. When you are born again. In Christ. Not like a business person. Not like an unbeliever. Not like a Not like a pessimist, but someone who has the mind of Christ. That's why Paul in verse 8, you know, invites us to train this mind of Christ that we have. Telling us what to think about. So there is a saying that uh, goes like this. Um, You cannot prevent a bird to, um, you know, how do you say that? To land in your head, land to land in your head. But you can prevent it to make a nest, right? Imagine a pigeon coming and land in your head. Are you going to allow a pigeon to build a nest in your head? I don't think you will. We cannot allow, or we cannot prevent sometimes bad thoughts creeping around our minds. But we can prevent them to to making homes in our minds. So, let me conclude this. In time of crisis, think. If you don't know what to think, read the word of God. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read Psalms. Read Proverbs. Now read the gospel. Paul invites us in verse 9 to put into practice everything we learn, receive and hear from what? He shared from God. And let me tell you, only then we'll be able to enjoy God in the midst of our real day-to-day struggles. and our crisis. What to do in time of crisis? First of all, rejoice in everything you do. Rejoice, my brother, my sister. Second, show kindness towards people. And then make everything known to God through prayers and petitions. And lastly, whatever you learn, think about what is good. Think about what is noble, and so on and so forth. And finally, He invites us to practice everything we learn. Decide in times of crisis to be joyful, to overflow with love, Enjoy the presence of the Father because He's near. And to cry out to think like the child of God. May this, this time of crisis that we go through. You know, allow us to think more thoughtfully what, who God is. So let's not stand in God's way. And let God deal with us. My praise that many um, here at church. We'll stand and we'll ask God to change their way of, of, of thinking. And uh, may the Lord bless us and keep us safe but joyful. Overflowing with love, enjoying God's presence and crying out in supplication for ourselves and for others. Let us have our hearts of child, teachable and innocent in the eyes of God not not be childish but be childlike let's pray shall we Shall we stand and pray as we're going to sing a song together father thank you that you have given us an opportunity through christ and in christ alone to have ultimate satisfaction father being able to see the truth able to have purpose able to pursue more things of value that brings eternal um Effect in us I pray that as we continue to move forward and walk by the spirit that you, you would guide our words, thoughts and actions so people will know that you are our God and we are your children Help us, Lord, not to be content based on our circumstances, but able to rise above the circumstances and be content in You. Rejoice in You, as spoken commanded, and in You alone, and rejoice every time, every day in Your presence. We thank You. We love You. Lord, You may go before us and guide our way. And we ask this in Christ's holy and precious name. Amen. Let's sing a song. It's only by grace that we can stand before Him. Thanks for listening. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. If you want more information about Camrose Baptist Church, visit our website www.camrosebc.org.uk. Follow us on Instagram at Camrose Baptist Church and subscribe to our YouTube channel Camrose Baptist Church Edgware.